How you doing out there, people? What's good? It's Reg. <laughs> it's Stone. And we're talking that music. Talk music. <laughs> we need a theme song. I know. Like a little 80s theme song. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've put out a little crappy theme song, but that's <laughs> it's literally, it's, it's, it can, it's the most generic of all theme songs. So I feel like it could be like the theme song for like, you know, a happy sitcom or a proctologist office. Reg, Stone, Stone, and Reg. <laughs> Oh gosh! Uh, what's good? Oh man, what you been listening to? Oh wait, wait, wait! Before we oh, get into that, before we're gonna go straight. Could we, could we, could we, we need to go straight into your article. Oh. We, we are. We almost got into like a long conversation, guys. Yes. About this article, and essentially, we were about to have all of our gems not be recorded. <laughs> we were out to go there for real. Talk about. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Wasting all on here. It's We're like dropping bombs. It's like, you know, you're in the middle of the club. <laughs> <laughs> Wasting all your good lines early in the evening. When if you wait till three in the morning, they would you know they would all hit. It's like it's like being in the club. Like, all right, so like I was at the club and I met Jimmy Fox, but there's no pictures. So it never happened. That's the drum the bombs that we were dropping. So uh yeah. Anyway, continue. So uh Reg, you wrote this article on the couch sessions. Uh, call is live music dying yes and you you kind of like went in to all of the the threats to live music uh in 2018 so gentrification you know and, and all of these different factors um in new york we're kind of going through it right now you know we're, we're, we're kind of you know there's a whole bevy of amazing live venues that you know and and not we're not talking about like Live Nation owned spots. We're talking about like DIY, you know, like literally you can show up if you have a guitar, you can get on stage type of spots and yeah. really help the community and nourish the community and, and help kind of, um, you know, just like help live music flourish. Yeah, no, and, and it's it's an unfortunate because, and even, and what's crazy is that like even like the, like the Live Nation stuff, even that's kind of dying because it feels like those ticket prices are getting a little crazy also. So it's like you have that squeeze where and, and, and all you all you 90s grunge era bands you remember were Pearl Jam. Yeah. Pearl Jam, you know, Nirvana's gone. Pearl Jam was the number one band in the world. And they were like, yo, these Ticketmaster ticket guys are taking all this bank off our backs. Yeah. So basically they kind of dropped out and became like activists for a couple of years when they were, you know, suing Ticketmaster, they were giving Senate panel meetings and th things along those lines. So it's weird because music is dying, like I feel like across the board, which is ironic because at the same time, ticket sales are crazy yeah. because we've kind of moved into a place where people want to, and I mean, the only way I can describe it to you is since the economy is doing so good, bad, that people are looking for like, you know, because you know, you necessarily, it's harder to get that big house. It's harder to get that big car. I think we are in this stage where people like experiences where it's like, I'm willing to pay X amount of money for this really good meal, this really yeah. good night out. And I think live music is reaping the benefit of that. And the problem is on all levels, it sucks. If you're trying to go see your Beyonce, you're paying hundreds of dollars hundreds. for the shittiest of seats. If you want to fucking, if you want to catch your local band, where's your local band going to play? Because yeah. all those venues got closed, you know, a while ago, because that you know that space could easily be a Starbucks, you know, yeah. you know, and then the, after the Starbucks, easily be a Louis Vuitton store, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it, it's kind of it's it's in a weird place where 
like it's not really valued. And the problem is like people want to see live music, like culture wise, you know, I, and I think it's, 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 we're just in a, an unusual place where I feel like as a culture with the internet being out there, people are kind of more knowledgeable about art and about just, just in general. But it's like at the same time, the places to consume those things are becoming far and in between because you have all these external forces out there. Oh yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And it's interesting you, that you say that because I I feel like it's it's very it's, there's some weird, very weird things happening right now. So, you know, obviously there's in New York there's a lot of venues that have closed. Um, so you have you know um, public assembly. Uh, I mean, even just on the top tier like venues that I booked at was public assembly in Southpaw. Yeah. Also, two eighty five Kent Glasslands, like all those those venues. But you also have like new venues that are kind of opening. But, you know, and this is happening in, in different cities, too, where they're opening at, like, as a part of a condo complex. They're opening up as a part of, you know, like, in D.C., like, those ven- there's new venues that are opening that they're at, uh, in the lobby of a condo. Yes. You know, um, you know I, I feel like there's a couple of venues in Austin as well. Like, there's a venue that's attached to a hotel. And it's, it's kind of weird now, like, we're going into this weird almost like 360 where you know live music is valued but now it's valued it's kind of like an accessory to your lifestyle as opposed to <laughs> no it's it, i agree if you're on the, yeah like yeah. It, is there some stuff where it's just like it's 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 kitsch like why would a hotel not want to have this little cool live music venue because it helps advertise for it? but it, the thing is is it really a live music venue it is but it's really more like you said background music and what sucks about that is the fact that you kind of need these live, and, it, and it's not even about live music per se. It also goes to just like nightlife, it's a where you need you need something where it's just like you know, it could be your indie rock band, it could be your little hip hop dude, it could just be a reggae. Just we're playing reggae music the whole night. People are gonna get their you know their bashment on in in midtown of whatever city you're at. You kind of need that, and I think it's kind of. It's unfortunate how we're kind of moving away from that because of big budget forces. Yeah. And then, like I said, it's, it's also becoming more controlled because the idea is the fact of, like, you know, when I was growing up, for, for good and bad, when we were growing up, <laughs> you know, you could get your little fake-ass ID, sneak into these venues. Things were a lot more lax back then. And, and I think, as a result, you had certain movements that were possible. Yeah, yeah, certain things that are possible. And you could kind of always point towards from hip-hop starting out in the Bronx where nobody really cared because the Bronx was a burnt, you know, as far as Greater New York was concerned, the Bronx was just fucking Vietnam. Yeah. So they were able to kind of have that kind of, you know, that space kind of create. You, from, like, you know, the, the Williamsburg, how basically Williamsburg is a perfect example because that was a neighborhood that literally I was hanging out with my homegirl and she was telling me about a, a very central moment about when she and her father bond, bonded when she was a little girl there in Williamsburg and some dude came out and dropped a body out of a car. <laughs> Damn, son. And that's the way it used to be. But what happened was, you know, in, in Manhattan, money, be, you know, the, 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 the lower downtown coolness got pushed out because of money and everybody got on the L train and moved over one stop into Brooklyn, which was Williamsburg. And then, so you've watched that where you went from Williamsburg went from you know nothing to like let's say this little weird niche poor artist kind of moving in there opening up the space to basically being like the, the the savior of New York City nightlife and culture for a couple of years. Yeah. And then now we're we and then it's, we're still going. That's what's crazy. So then we went to moneyed where you would have all these high end stores you would normally see 
deep in Manhattan. And now I was walking down there like a couple of weeks ago, and a lot of those retail stores are closed because they can't afford the rent. So it's so we went f- literally from a place where nobody wanted to live there, poor, pure warehouse. You know, it was lower economic people, ethnic people. It was basically Polish and Puerto Rican. And we went from there to a point where your your banana republics, your J. Crews, can't afford the rent. Yeah. So it's fucking sad. Yeah, and, and it's crazy too. And, and the funny thing is, um, people are moving in and kind of criticizing, you know, these light these live music venues. Oh, <laughs> which is the most ironic thing. Ever in terms of, you know, I like, want to move to the cool neighborhood, yeah. but where it's only cool from like six to nine, because yeah. at nine thirty, like to have tea yeah. and watch, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it's funny too because, like, I remember, like, so South by Southwest is coming up this week, and like, I remember the last time I was in South by, like, the OG Fader Fort, which is the only real Fader Fort that I, I will allow to exist. You know, I saw like a condo going up next to it. I was like, "Yo, it's a wrap." And this is before it closed. I was and, like, "Yo, it's a wrap." And let me call this for you. If if so, South by Southwest is this. You know, it's, it's a big music festival, big tech festival. It takes about two weeks. Movie festival. It takes place in the in the, in the downtown convention center, but it also spreads to venues everywhere. Fair Fort was basically mini Coachella. Like yeah. somehow they s his huge piece of space of land where they would have their own type of festival for like three days, free alcohol, thousands of people. You know, Diddy might show up, Ross might show up, yeah. Drake might Drake. show up. Yeah. So it's it's it was it was a great thing and it was free. Yeah. And then to me, and what sucked about the Fader Fort, I mean, the, the loss of Fader Fort was it was it's the way I would hope they would have went. Where obviously you need the corporate dollars, of course, but you've got. You've got a corporate entity, which is Fader Magazine. You've got, you know, the, the sponsors, whoever, whoever is sponsoring alcohol. It could have been, I think at one time it was Bud. At one time it was like Jack Daniels. Yeah. But they're throwing in money. They're throwing in alcohol. You have all these sponsors where you're able to have this event where it's still a cultural event. People, kids are able to go out there and enjoy it. And it doesn't really feel that fake. Like it's something yeah. where it's like, oh, we all show up. We all yeah. have a good time. We all talk. You know, we mingle. We do everything. It was a perfect mix of corporate and also the arts. But like now, we don't even have that. It's just like. No, I mean, it's like, like I said, a condo went up across the street. And I'm sure that, that I mean, if you haven't been, that's a large track of land, you know. And I'm sure, you know, they whoever owned that land is like, yo, if a condo is going up across the street. Like I'm, I'm sitting on valuable property. Yeah, absolutely. You know, well, so so yeah, so I'm not surprised. I mean, and coming back to to, to New York, um, it's like I, it, it's of course like we're going, you know, all artists are going through it, but artists of color are kind of going through it even harder. Of course, you know, if you're an artist of color and you're you're not making say mainstream or even if you are making like mainstream hip hop or whatever, like the venues for you are, are harder and harder. Um, and there's this really cool documentary, uh, from Rolling, Rolling Stone, um, basically kind of chronicling the DIY movement. Um, but one of the things I thought was really interesting is that, uh, during, you know, a lot of artists are being forced into these kind of makeshift venues, um, kind of, and like the ghost ship fire in, in Oakland was a makeshift venue that 
was most likely not not the fire code. And you and I have probably been to, to dozens and dozens, dozens of these, these, yeah. these, these, these spots. Um, I mean, now I'm a little older and have a wife to come home to, so I'm always looking for the exit. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case. I'm always like, yo, like, <laughs> where's the fire escape? Um, but that's the reality, you know, like artists, especially artists who have no money or no, you know, clout, whoever, uh, they have to make do and they have to create their own spaces. And this is what, what you know, is happening all over the country. Um, are these spaces up to fire code? Probably not. Do they have alcohol licenses? Probably not. But like, you know, unfortunately, you know, what happens is in order in, in the name of quote unquote safety, the cops will show up and bust the venue uh, shut everything down. Oh yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, apparently, there's there's these like kind of like like mob squads of cops. Yeah, that only deal with shutting down like you know these types of venues. You know, um, and, and and it's really sad because yeah. ideally, in a perfect world, these kind of unsafe venues shouldn't have to exist. And that's the thing. It's it's something going back to your like, and I love how you said quote unquote because the whole idea is one of the most enlightening things I, I learned about nightlife in general. And and because, you know, and I'll be honest, as people of color, I'm used to going to the party and everything is going great and the cops come and shut that shit down. That's normal for me just because of racism. Racism yeah. and the idea of where there's a certain kind of, you know, rip it, you know hip-hop was associated with a certain kind of lower economic class. We yeah. don't want this rapidly rap stuff. But what was weird was, you know, as I kind of grew up and became, you know, started diving into other music scenes, seeing like a lot of, you know, traditionally white scenes with like white you know, supposedly white middle class kids and how they get fucked over. Oh, so, so one of the most, one of the craziest things I went to, there was a symposium about nightlife in New York City. So it had successful quote unquote nightlife owners. So it had at that time Glasslands, it had Brooklyn Bowl. Brooklyn Bowl, which is basically so successful, they have branches in Vegas and in, and in London. Yeah, and Dubai now. Yeah. So yeah. that's crazy. So you, so I meet this, and I expect to hear a lot of crazy stories about, you know, like, you know, how you own a club, and, yo, this crazy stuff happened. It was the most depressing thing I've ever heard. And literally, because they were complaining about how, how difficult it is for them to even survive. Going back to your point about the quote-unquote cops, one guy was telling a story about how, so arbitrarily, because there's so many rules, so you could get... It's so like the rules are so crazy that if I want to, if they, it's, it's like getting like the same way how a lot of times where people of color get caught up with resisting arrest, yeah, where you know cops roll up, ask you a question, you say what, and suddenly you're resisting arrest, but they, they didn't have arrest you in the first place. Same exact thing with a lot of these venues where the codes are so labyrinthian. I was hearing of, like one time I was talking to a guy who built this bar and he was saying, yeah, even the width of the door, if it's not X amount space away from the bar we get that's it like we get fined yeah and then so going back to this thing there was this he was telling a story about how you know they have a bar chilling serving alcohol guy comes up they deny him alcohol because they have an id so the bartender turns around a kid like i guess leaves his beer to go to the bathroom the guy grabs a drink of that beer shut that bitch down for the night Mm. And that's the thing is where you give these, you know, it's so, the enforcement is so kind of crazy where arbitrarily, if you aren't the right kind of club, you know, we don't like the music you're playing. Of course. We don't like the vibe of the people outside of your place. They'll come and shut that bitch down. And the thing that was crazy to me was the fact of 
I expect it from people from people getting it happening against people of color and like queer people, just because you know Greater America kind of hates. Yeah. But to see it happen to their own, it was like, oh shit, you guys don't really understand why New York is New York. Yeah, New York is New York because people want to come come to the city and party. When you guys are, and I understand people, you know, live there, yada yada yada, but it's not hard to look at New York now, even at two in the morning, and get the vibe that it's not where it used to be. Of course. One of the craziest things is I moved towards uh, downtown Brooklyn, like Barclay Center. And I remember like, taking a cab ride home. And I moved there from best which is a popping neighborhood. There's a lot of new things happening there. So I just moved a little bit more downtown. They expect downtown to be popping. It was like 1 in the morning on a Saturday night, dead. Yeah. Dead. And this is a place where you had a couple of music venues. You had a couple of bars. And it's just because that culture shifting. And, and that's fine. I'm getting a little older. I can live the uppie life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I can walk around here wearing the boat shoes and chilling in my little polo and, you know, going out to the beach. I could do that. But un- the unfortunate thing is I still want to hear dope shit ultimately. Yeah. And if those kids, if you don't have a place where, like, you know, if you're 19, 20, 21, can get together, not just a drink. But to kind of do cool shit, to like yeah. maybe throw a cool party, to like, oh, my girl's a dope singer, she wants to sing. Oh, my man makes beats. Oh, my man raps. And kind of have this space to kind of just incubate and make shit. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a death for a city because eventually that city will be uncool. There's yeah. a reason why New York is New York. And it's not like fucking Albuquerque. Yeah, no, I feel you. And, and no, it's crazy. No, this yeah. is Albuquerque out there, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Albuquerque. But no, and it's funny too because like, uh, before we move on to the the the, the nightmare, I, I I just want to say uh, a lot of the like people of color are being forced deeper and deeper underground, and which is cool. Like I've gone to some amazing parties that like I just got a random ass text message and I knew a guy who knew a guy, you know, which is great. And I went in, it's like some apartment or whatever, but that makes the scene way more insular. Yes. You know, like, like I was lucky as hell to get invited to these parties and like, see like really cool, amazing people of color, like do their thing. But that should be, <laughs> you know, I shouldn't have to know somebody who knows somebody yeah. in the city. That's like 30% <laughs> black. It's like yeah. how <laughs> <laughs> like that, this should, you know, those type of experiences, experiences should be open to everybody. Yeah. You know, not just like a single group of friends and I understand why it's like that because it's happening in somebody's apartment and you don't want random people like showing up, I, you yeah. know, but that's what it is now, especially for people of color. It's like it has to be somebody's apartment, or it has to be somebody's basement, or it has to be somebody's like you know shack in the in the in the back. You yeah, know? and it, and it, what sucks about it is the fact of like like all these things, the success there. It'd be one thing if like there's something inherently where like you know this business model can work. You know, motherfuckers will always go out to go drink. And listen to music. Like yeah. those are that's something where it's, yeah. it's a guaranteed money maker. Yeah. Now you got other shit you might have to kind of worry about, but to, if you build it, they will come. There's nothing more evident there. And it's the idea where, as people of color, you can't do that because you don't got you know hundred grand thrown that fucking Barbie exactly. to kind of suddenly have like you know oh I have this space I could put on you know a twenty year lease. I could pay to have somebody come build it. Now I've pilled it. I could pay off because remember back back in back in my retail days, you know not to <laughs> snitch. I literally had some managers who had to pay off. 
the fire department on some like, look, you know, don't see anything. And the thing is, it's not because necessarily it's because it's up to code. It's just because they know that yeah. I could come over here. I could destroy this whole shit. I could write you up for, yeah. well, you know, your sprinklers look a little dirty. That's, you know, X amount of money. And they had to kind of this, you know, you're my back. I'll rub yours. The problem is also uh, that those are white people among white people. Yeah. As POCs, it's even worse because you have racism there. Of course. So that same connection that he had, with, you know, Captain O'Malley, where it's like, hey, you know, I see at the same bar, blah, blah, blah. I got you, you know, as an outsider, it's like, oh, I'm definitely going to get these, these, you know, I'm going to get, get all my fines in right here at this one venue. Yeah. It's going to go home and chill. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the funny thing is when I saw, I read your article, um, and then like five minutes later, I got the, the, the news alert that, you know, New York has, I mean, I guess appointed yes. a nightmare. Um, her name is Ariel Polite. Um, she's the founder of Venue Advisors. Um, most of y'all will probably know her uh, as the owner of Sutra. Yes. Uh, which was always lit. I, I do have to say, I had some good times at Sutra. Yeah. Um, but she also <laughs> essentially has some, some things. Like she's, she's a very controversial pick. Um, and Brooklyn Vegan, as Reggie was telling me, you know, Brooklyn Vegan, vegan kind of essentially threw some shade because uh, basically when talking about the East Village, she basically said the East Village is right for the picking right now. Opportunity to change the color and the makeup of the neighborhood. And, yeah. But it, from, from a point of kind of, I, I guess to me, like she represents um, not really, I don't feel like she's in the spirit of what the nightmare is supposed to be. Um, you know, for, for those who don't know, like a night, like, so Amsterdam and London both elected nightmares because they're, they're both kind of going through the same thing in New York where, you know, they understand the value of nightlife, but the, you know, gentrification and, and rent increases and regulations are pushing nightlife out of, out of the city. Yes. Um, and they both have hired their prospective nightmares, um, who are kind of, I, I know the one in London is, is a bit more kind of tied to the DIY space. I don't know about the one in Amsterdam, um, but that concept kind of originated in Europe, and now New York is like I think one of the first American cities to actually like go through and, and actually have a nightmare. Um, my concern with 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 Ariel is this: just like she's somebody who is comes from. And I'm not. I'm not mad. At people who own nightclubs. Yeah. But people who own nightclubs have a certain view of the world. Um, Bottle service. <laughs> Sparkles. You know, and nightclubs are. I understand. Like I haven't been in a club in like a long ass time. But like you know, if you own some a, a venue like Sutra, like you're just trying to get more venues like Sutra as opposed to like trying to open up like spaces for p people of color and LGBT and trying to kind of like, you know, create more inclusionary spaces. Like, I feel like this is a missed opportunity. Yes. And this is just me being like very, uh, <laughs> no, I agree. Cause it's, cause it's, it's stages. So it's levels to this shit. Like I, I'm not going to argue that particularly in any kind of place where it's hypertrophied that like, it's hard to open up a restaurant it's even even wine bars are getting shot out there. You know what I'm saying? That's how real it is. Yeah. Wine bars are getting got. Yeah. So I get having her there. But the problem is there's still levels to it, like you pointed out, where 
she's primarily focused on, you know, high-end nightlife experiences. Exactly. exactly. Where it, that doesn't have anything to do with the culture. Now, it's a part of culture. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. We all go to this, you know, cop in that airplane, hop off your boo, trying to show her out to that, that nice steak dinner downtown. You know, there's a place for that thing. There's a place for those kind of spaces. But the idea is that the incubator of, like, the culture of the city, where you get the cool shit, won't, won't, it won't happen at a place like that. No. You have to have, and you know, and, and that's something you could deal with like after the fact. I think the problem is the fact of where New York City and, and a lot of cities have let it rot for so long that you're, you know, those underground spots are done. Yeah. And I, and then not to be cynical, I feel like the reason why she's involved and why the city's kind of getting, turning their head towards it is because they're getting under attack. Now it's the high end spaces. Now of it's course. their spaces. Now it's like, oh shit, you know, in this, you know, in this, in this neighborhood, we had four or five nightclubs making X amount of money. Everything was getting credit carded. The city was getting X amount of tax. But now, Boom. you know, those places got closed out because they couldn't afford it. Cops harassed them. You got two or three empty storefronts and a Starbucks. That same tax revenue is not coming in, you know, yada, yada, yada. And, and that's not what you kind of need. I think that you, it's, it's rare to find a cultural movement that happens without there being spaces to promote it and without pe people of color being involved with it. And I think that when you kind of lose that, you know, you, your city becomes washed. Like at the end of the day, nobody wants a wash city. Even your most yuppiest of white folks yeah, want no, some fucking you. flavor. You know what I'm saying? I feel you. I feel you. And, 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 it's, <laughs> and it's funny that you say that because you literally just follow the money. Obviously, if you run a high-end nightlife venue and you're, you know, doing bottle service and stuff like that, you're spending, you know, what, a, a G for a table, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Like, yeah, the city loves that shit. The city's getting all of that. Oh, yeah. oh that, that eight, that eight, <laughs> eight point five percent tax you know? on a Jay Z bill. Like, yeah, it loves that revenue. You know, <laughs> um, and obviously DIY spaces are, you know, we're just shit. It's BYOB. Yeah, so. come on, man. You can't, you can't. When somebody comes over that six pack of PBR, you ain't getting that much money out of yeah, it. Yeah, and, and that's and that's why I'm I'm so concerned about that because it, it it sucks, right? Like essentially, we're this 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 position was kind of championed by the DIY community, but it's like the money, you know, like kind of nightlife restaurant tours are probably gonna win. So like it's, it's it's we're I mean we're back to square one yeah in a lot of ways yeah and and, and the know? thing is and, and and I don't think it's and nobody wants to and like I said it, it would suck where because you know it serves a certain like like uh like I always have a discussion with my sister who's a DJ and she's like one of the worst things that she's ever seen because she's been in nightlife for probably now going on twenty years she's like bottle service because before you know. The way you got into a club was being the dope, you know, a little materialistic. But if your shit was dope, it's like, yo, he's got the fresh kicks on, like her titties are half out, but she looks sexy. <laughs> Come through. It was it was a certain aesthetic. And I, even though I kind of made that sexualized joke, it was more like we want cool people here. Yeah. Studio 54, you know, Andy Warhol, you know, Basquiat shit was like, we want cool heads. We don't give a fuck if they have $2 in their pocket or $100 in their pocket. When that bottle culture came, it was like, oh, shit, we can charge, you know, these people who have these nine to fives, you know, who don't live in New York City, these tourists, you know, we could charge them hundreds of dollars for that one night in New York City and push everybody else out to the side. Yeah. And the problem is you need that with everybody else. You need to have, because 
Like, why would I like like? And, and long story short, if I'm a young dope artist, you know, if I'm if I'm a dope musician, dope painter, why would I come to New York? Why? Yeah, the business is here, but I'm paying fucking you know x amount of rent. You know, studio space. I can't get studio space. You know, I can't collab because all the everybody else I'm collaborating with can't afford to live here. Also, yeah, it's kind of it just kind of sucks. Yeah, no, nah, and, and, and it's funny too because like people ask me, "Yo, should I come to New York?" I was like, "No." Yeah, of course not. Like, <laughs> make a name for yourself in Wisconsin, and then like you come to New York for like the media and exposure, and like maybe the record labels and things like that. But like, I mean, to to do like art. No. Yeah, and, and I feel like <laughs> and what's messed up is I feel like even from like like five, ten years ago, notice how quickly because New York was we had we had the rock the indie rock crown. Oh, like yeah. ten years. Ten years they had it hard. Yeah. It's not surprising that when we started losing it, the mecca of that indie rock crown, the East Village, Williamsburg, became disappeared. Yeah. Like like there's a like there's a direct correlation where those neighborhoods when those neighborhoods were very artist friendly where, where they were had these parties and they had these things where those bands were playing, you know, New York's cultural capital and music world was going up. It was the last gasp of rock music before, you know, hip hop totally took over. Like to me, in my opinion, that yeah. was New York. Yeah. And then once, you know, it started becoming where, you know, rent was fucking, you know, three G's for a fucking studio. Where fucking you have because I used to rehearse in Williamsburg back when I was in a band. Once they shut, once they closed that down to build condos, there's a reason why once those things disappeared, suddenly New York music also kind of took a wash. Oh, of course, you know, of as course. far as rock and electronic is concerned. Yeah, no, and it's 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 all about the community. Like I, I remember, I went to this one space, um, and it was a live work artist space, and, and Bushwork is no longer there. It's like essentially you live there. Um, you help, you know, like, you know, keep the, the space up, you buy groceries, you pitch in, and there's also like three recording studios. So you go and record and do your thing. And like those things, those type of spaces can't thrive in New York city anymore. You know? And there, I mean, I understand like there's a lot of friends, like there's a lot of friends of mine who moved to LA. I guess like those spaces kind of still exist there, but even but that, they're, they're going to get pushed out of LA yeah, too. They are getting you know? pushed out. A lot, a lot of the cool warehouses are done. Like downtown's done. There's a lot of, there's a lot of spaces so, in LA that are disappearing. The only thing that helps LA out is the fact that it's sprawling. It's sprawling. So there's more space there, Yeah. but it'll come for it also. Like it, it, eventually it, it'll come, it comes for, it'll come for everything because the yeah. idea of where, you know, these rising rents and how you've got, you know, and we, we focus it on the micro level where it's like, oh, shit, you know, I've got this job, but, you know, even though I got this job, I can't afford, you know, a house or a car, you know, when it sucks. But I think what the powers that be need to look at where it's cool, you know, you've got these cities where it's like our tax revenue is off the heezy. Yeah. You know, we want all this money. We want all this coming in. How whack it is. Look at a San Fran. Look at a Oakland. Oakland was a, definitely an incubator for dope hip hop, dope culture. How much great like bands came out of that area? Like what's happening there now? It's all tech bros. Like yeah. what you know? This is this is a place where you know you had shit like the Coop, you had Metallica, you had you know you know, you had E Forty, you had all these dope ass artists. Like so, what's gonna come out of there now? What 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 what? What well, Mat- what, Mat- what indie programmer rappers gonna come out <laughs> with them Google ass bars? <laughs> Yo, Metallica's from Oakland. Um, San Fran. Okay, word. same same to Barry. Yeah, yeah. Bay bands. 
Well, what I'm saying is, even the fact of no, where I, I mean, I was, yeah. I, was, I was just being like, I'm like yo, word? Yeah, no, like, no. But then, but but there's other. There's another one. Rose is another big metal band that's actually from Oakland. It's just weird because, like, but if you look at it now, those same that that same scene that like created all these artists and going back to the to Ghost Ship Fire, where people will still go there. Like, there's a reason why that happened and where it sucked was because they were forced to live there. You're like, those motherfuckers didn't want to live in the one big fucking, like, because yeah. I've been in those spaces. Dude, you got fucking, Bro. like, 10 roommates, you know, half of them are fucking, and half of them, when they ain't fucking, they're fighting because they fucked. You know, ain't, nobody's washing the dishes. Nobody nobody's showering. Ain't nobody showering. Nobody's showering. You know, the, the one time you want to fucking sleep, now there's an event happening, so now you got to put the fucking headphones on because when it's your time to do some shit, they, you know, you, you're trying to, you know, you, you, you want to yell at them, but you can't because, you know, on Friday you're going to throw your jammy jam. And, you know, it's a lot of fighting for resources. Like, even then, it's something they got pushed into. Nobody's, like, on some, like, hey, I would love to live, like, you know, a really shitty college dorm without free pizza. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's the goal <laughs> as an artist, but yeah, nah, it sucks. And going back to what I, I think it's something they're gonna have to, you're gonna have to figure it out because at the end of the day, like the world doesn't need a New York City, the world doesn't need an LA, the world doesn't need Miami. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the culture will get created, art will get created no matter what. If you want to have a cultural mecca, you have to make it feasible for it to be a cultural mecca. No, I, I feel you. I, I do want to say, and then I think we should we should probably move on because this is very uh, very depressing. Uh, <laughs> I do I do think the world needs cultural meccas. Like, there's a reason why people flock to New York. There's a reason why we have like 8.5 million people. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's a reason why like LA has like oh, yeah, you know, like four or five million people. I, I, like, I live here because I want to see cool shit. I want to yeah. be able to come out on a random fucking Friday and be like, I'm gonna hit this party, hit that party. I'm gonna go to do this cool shit, do this that cool shit. Everyone's like, oh, I want to go hit this party. I gotta get on the train, <laughs> yeah, an hour no. plus to basically go to the near out of of New York City to go catch his band. Why would I come live here? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So no, I mean there's there's reasons. I, I just to wrap it up, I mean, I wish the nightmare um luck. The best of luck. Best of luck. Uh but I, I think if you are in the creative community, don't think this is like a win for you. I, I, I think it's just more of there's a lot more work that needs to be done. Yeah. You know, definitely. Cool. So all right, so let's move on to new music. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what you been listening to, man? Uh, well, first of all, my my arguably the return to the music video, the Spike Jones, X, Anderson Pac, X, FK Twigs, X, Apple, <laughs> music video. That's such a beautiful music video. Oh, it's glorious! It's it's it, it's a throwback to the old days. Yeah, it. it it reminded me. I don't. I mean, there's like this, this, this like tonal sequence that might, reminded me of that Jamiroquai video from back in the day. Oh yeah, yeah. virtual yeah. insanity. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean it was, it was beautiful. And thank you, Apple. Apparently, because <laughs> apparently that's that's the only way you can pay for beautiful music videos in 2018. Yeah, that's so. all, man. It's, it's, <laughs> if it's not Apple or Beats, you're asked out. You're, you're out there. You better find somebody to pay for a music video. <laughs> But no, it was great. No, and the Anderson track, uh, pack track was is fucking amazing. I'm like, and it's interesting because it's very beat. Like I didn't know he was very, gonna go. Yeah, because he was he was pure funk. You know, pure yeah. pure funk R and B traditionalist. That means very dancey. It's very dancey, yeah. but it's also very like yeah. It's like very A O eight. Yeah, know, very um, you know, like kind of hip. Not hip hop, but it's just very. There's no live instrumentation. Yeah, which is kind of insane. 
So I'm, I'm kind of curious about uh, what his next project is going to actually sound like. You know, is it going to be like, is he going to do like a Kendrick Lamar dam? Oh, that'd be fun though. Because <laughs> one thing is I would love to hear, like, and I haven't really heard a proper, like a dance project. Like uh, you have a lot of like uh, R&B dudes. Because it's weird. It's this weird kind of like, you know, from back in the days when you would have the, you know, Nobody's Supposed to Be Here remix. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you had this whole mix of R&B and like dance house or whatever genre of dance that there is. And for some reason, you could never have them both meet together. Yeah, Sparks, like when Subtract was doing some great stuff with Sanfa. And, yeah. But you could never have this weird movement. You yeah. Know? And I always kind of hope, so maybe this will happen this time. I mean, you know, I, I, I think... And when I say Kendrick Lamar down, I'm just thinking more of like he's switching his style up to yeah. a point where it's completely unrecognizable from the last album. Yeah. But, you know, he's done some work. Like Anderson's done some work for Kate Trinata. He's done some, you know, so like, you know, and um, shit, what's what's the collaboration with the with, uh, that cat? Knowledge. Knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, he, he, he's adaptable. So I'm, I'm not su- I'm not surprised. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if he came out with that. I mean, I would love like to see an Anderson pack. Um, you know, funk wave bounces. Oh, that'd be dope, actually. <laughs> Get his little Calvin Harris on. <laughs> Calvin Harris, like you know, like the sky's the limit for this dude. <laughs> um, but yeah, like let's talk about the return of Spike Jones. Sorely missed. Sorely missed. And I think what it is is because, uh, like. Cause I, I dabble a little bit of like videography, so like, and then I, I've got a homeboy of mine who like he's got his own little music project, so he'll hit me up to like you know like oh we'll make a video, and it's always the most cliched shit you could imagine. Yeah. Like you know fish fish eyed lens shots and like the party <laughs> with the slow motion blunt smoke and and it's kind of like it's interesting where you know there was a period of time where music videos were actually like oh shit you're giving me a budget. Yeah. I got four minutes. Let's do some crazy ass shit. We can yeah. fit this all in in a fucking dope space. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, Spike Jones. Like the the cool thing about Spike Jones is like the breadth of videos they've done. Like he he did everything from like all of the indie rock like dudes to like Fat Lip, which what what what's up Fat Lip is probably my, one of my favorite rap songs, but also <laughs> one of my favorite videos because it shot on like a thirty dollar budget. Yeah, no, you know? <laughs> the most homeless looking um, video ever created. And then, like, I shit, I, I remember, I forgot the video he did. Was it a Blink 182? It was like, it was a video, and it's just like a dude who was on fire, and he's running oh, down the street. Oh, I remember that video, yes. I don't remember what band, but yeah, and it was in and, slow motion. And, yes. that, like, that was the whole video, and he jumps on a bus, and the bus drives away. And, like, <laughs> but, you know, like, like, so this dude was like a pioneer of, like, like, when the, all of the music money was flowing in the '90s, he was the pioneer of the quirky ass music video. You know, um, he did some work with Poisehead, like you know, and it's really kind of it's cool to see him back. It's cool to see you know, and I mean, on one level, I love the fact that it's it's, it's basically an Apple commercial, but on the other level, it's like it sucks that like we have to have Apple, <laughs> yeah, you know, fund this. But it's like it's it's. You know, it's imaginative. It's really cool. And then you have FK Twigs. Um, she reminds me of like kind of like Bjork in um, shit. What's that? that one Bjork video. So quiet. Yes. Yeah. Wavelength, dude. Yeah, Wavelength. Um, so Bjork for life. Bjork gang out there forever. Bjork gang. <laughs> Goose is up, bitches. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no. So it's just like 
and it was a great kind of use of her and like her emotions and everything. So like, so yeah, no, so it, it's beautiful, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed. Um, yeah, that's all I can say. Mm. And it's, and to go into another video, which I thought was kind of, which shows you how it is when it's not imaginative, this new dude from Chicago, um, Toby Lou. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know what? That's imaginative. Well, it depends. It's imaginative. Because my thing is, it's, it's, it shows you a lot of the tropes of where we've kind of, because he's got, he's got everything that you'd expect. Because, you know, he's a young dude. It's a dope little song. It's kind of like half hip hop. It reminds you a lot of Jeremiah. Yeah. Just because he's got that little, like, the, a little simple melody, like, he, he kind of, like, utters. Yeah. Where, and, it kinda, and, and the beat is kind of dope. Like, it's a dope song. Yeah. But the reason why I said the video is interesting is because you see a lot of quirky things. It's, it, 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 not, not to get all anti-millennially, but you see the references, but you don't see the art behind it. So you have, like, the Kanye bear. You've got the little weird, like, Rugrats kind of art. You've got a lot of weird CGI. And so it's quirky and it's fun. He's got a, he's got a cool haircut. But at the same time, you don't really see it cohesive in the vision. It's just borrowing from everything you possibly could borrow from. But the sad thing is, it, it makes it imaginative because if it wasn't for that, he would just be out there in Lambo. <laughs> you know what? I do you know, have to say, I do have to say though, like, I'm not mad at like I I enjoyed the video just because. All right, so we're talking about the Toby Toby Lou. He's a artist out of Chicago. Um, he did this video called Troop, um, which is on YouTube or whatever. You know, the nearest streaming, streaming vendor, like whatever. Um, it's literally it's it, and it's funny too because it borrows from like that '70s show where you had like everybody getting high, yeah, and like you kind of pan the camera around. Um, and like this video is like you pan the camera around, and it's just like all these different things that are happening. And yeah, like he's sitting next to the Kanye bear, which I'm like, well, it's Kanye. I mean, he's, you know, Toby Lou's from Chicago, so I'm like, did Kanye, like, give the cosign? Is Kanye going to sue? Bear's on loan, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Can't own I mean, a bear. Bear's I mean, out here trying. Bear got to get checked. Kanye's you know, out dropped the album in a I couple was, years. I was saying, like, the bear hasn't been working in, like, 10 years. I'd be so. mad, too. I'd be like, you can keep him retaining for all this time. <laughs> Nigga, cartoons got to eat. The bear has not been working since uh, graduation, so, I mean, I understand, but... Um, so, yeah, it's like, you have all these different elements... It's weird to me because like <laughs> it is something where now you have these cats who can just like like YouTube and Google shit and like oh how do you make a music video and like you just like throw that shit out there yeah just like I'm sure the dude like got his beat off of like YouTube or SoundCloud you know like I'm not <laughs> it's very just real talk yeah real talk you know so and it's this weird like you want to make an artistic statement but like the way you're doing it is so kind of disposable it just doesn't resonate as it, art yeah and um, and and but at the same time it sucks because you have to say like it's imaginative because like i said there's so many rap cliche videos that are still happening where you know like like block boy Black Boy, the reason why I love Black Boy is cuz it's the same exact cliche shit but he dances yeah yeah whereas yeah, yeah. like oh shit a dance out of all these hip hop videos of us all chilling out here in the courtyard for all the dudes, you know, saying a dope car. It's like, oh, there's a dance happening. That's fucking yeah. that blows my mind. So, so here, here's what I want to say about the Toby Toby Lou video, and this kind of gets back to like your videography skills, which I didn't know about. <laughs> Renaissance man, trying my best. Uh, but the the last half of the video is kind of like a short film. Yes, 
And I was like, this is kind of cool. This makes no sense, but this is, this is really cool. Falling into black holes and... Yeah, I, I was like, I don't know what's going on. I don't really do drugs, so I can't understand. I'm not high enough to understand, but this is really cool. And I, I think, like, I... And this is, like, one of my frustrations with, um, you know, like, the hip-hop industry, and this is something I try to do. Like, we need to make more short films. Oh, absolutely. Like, like this is, like, if you if he, if he drops that as a short film, like, he'll get way more buzz than just dropping, like, a music video. Of course. Because nobody's doing it. Like, nobody's doing it. Like, and his short film is, like, really, like, you know, sci-fi futuristic. Like he had some like Asian nurse or something. I don't know what was going on, but <laughs> you ever see Sucker Punch? No. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I think it's. I think it's. I'm guessing maybe an ode where it's like, oh, you're watching this, but really, you know, like Inception, where it's like this, this, this levels on levels on levels. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, a and, dream within a dream. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, you know, I, all right, cool. Like, but I, I think. There, there is a missed opportunity for him to kind of do that kind of because I've see I'm seeing a lot of video directors flirting with the short film format, but they're not like actually diving into doing a real short film. Yeah, and it makes and it, and, and and I agree with hundred percent because it makes sense. It's like right now the barrier is so low, and the budgets suck. Don't get me wrong, but you've got so many resources because you know everything is kind of you know everything's cheap. You can, if you got a real camera, you know, you got your DSLR, you could buy a Best Buy, bam, that's good enough for you to shoot like a video that's like, you know, like a high def video. You know, all you need is a man, you know, it doesn't require that much work that you figure to be much more imaginative. And I feel like because YouTube has kind of made it so easy that we're not trying. You know what I'm saying? Kind of in a weird yeah. way where it's just like, because back in the days where you had to go out there, you know, you know, you know, bang on the door at Def Jam, you know, yell them say, yo, you know, El Cool J got a video budget of like fucking, you know, $600,000, you know, ah, my album went number one, I deserve a million, you know, that kind of shit. And he would throw money on the screen. Now it feels like it's hard to find an imaginative video where when you do get one, you get really happy because like, oh shit, this is a little different from the norm. Because, you know, I'll, I'll sit there and I'll, you know, I'll start like one like hip hop song, like let's say, I'll put on a Gucci Mane song and I'll let that YouTube bitch play. Yeah. Holy shit. All those videos are exactly the same. Where exactly it felt like at least, you know, when you know back in the MTV era, videos were a little different. Like there was at least something happening. Well, I mean, but that's the thing. I I think that when you're trying to make a name for yourself, it's almost <laughs> we're all we're all trying to get playlisted on rap yeah. caviar. So it's almost like, well, we, you know, it's 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 no different from a radio, like a, a label executive saying, like, oh, like this is popular, you need to be this this person. Now it's like the actual artist saying, oh, like this person's popular, this person's popular, I have to be this person, you know, like this just it's it's just shifted now to the artist mindset as opposed to, you know, a label like a you know some white label dude saying it, yeah, which is. It's sad, and, you yeah. know, and, and especially when you have um, the opportunity to kind of do some really cool shit and, 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 and really kind of stand away from, you know, stand out away from the norm. And I understand, like, um, if you go too far out there, you're not going to get the streaming money. You're not going to get the streams, but... But it sucks. Uh, like, like Takashi, like, like, like 6 9 like... 
So I know the block he filmed that video on, and that's like a nice area of bed style. That's not, that's not a hood bed style. That's like nice. Yeah. So it's good for him to do the same exact rap cliches where it's all him, everybody's all blooded out, yada, 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 where, you know, meanwhile, you know, <laughs> it's all like talent and talent around him. So it's weird where, like, it's just an aesthetic that you have to, even when the, even in the space where the aesthetic isn't there, you have to bring it because you have to have those things. It's, it's crazy. Uh, so this actually leads me to, like, an article I posted on Cal Sessions uh, called Punk Flavored Trap. Um, and there's these two artists. Like, one's Rico Nasty, um, who essentially is kind of like, uh, I mean, all of her other stuff is literally... I mean, I'm going to say it because we don't have a lot of listeners on this podcast right now, but it's like a broke ass, like, you know, Cardi B <laughs> literally kind of, you know, yeah. I, all right. But, uh, and then this other dude, uh, Mello makes music. He's from, from the shy as well. Rico's from, uh, Maryland from PG County. Um, but they both dropped tracks this week. They're literally kind of like, like rap, rock influence tracks. Yeah. Um, that really stand out from like all their other music. That's literally just trap music. This is you know straight straight head trap that doesn't really distinguish them from you know any other SoundCloud trap music artists. Um, and the cool thing about um, you know like I guess both of these things is just like all these trap artists are wearing like Nirvana t-shirts and Metallica yeah. t-shirts. <laughs> Oh, and, and it's it's I'm like it's like we're finally to the point where these cats are googling Nirvana and like '90s now and Metallica and like they they're creating music that's kind of inspired by like you know and like I'm a, I'm an older dude so I'm like I'm glad to hear guitars again yeah or like you know like Marilyn Manson God have mercy I, I heard the Marilyn Manson bar I don't remember who it was today on the train I was just letting my phone play. And like how Lil Uzi Vert claims to be like a huge Marilyn Manson fan, and yeah. everybody's dressed like rock stars, but the music is still like you know slow BPMs and so and so. Like I, I like the fact it's amped. Like that Rico shit, it goes hard. Like her rapping is all right, but she's like she's screaming. That fucking that fucking bass is like fucking at you know that that nice yeah. little distorted level. You know it's just fucking it's amp shit. You know what I'm saying it's it's punch in the face mosh bit shit. And I and I like that. You know you need that in rock. You need that in hip hop. You need to have every little fucking going back to shouts shouts get to Metallica. They need yeah. they need that, those shouts. Yeah. And shouts to like M O P. You know to like to like the fucking angry hip hop shit. I mean I, lo- I lo- I'm all right. So the track is called Smack a Bitch. <laughs> And what you, you all want to do, yes. Like, <laughs> and literally, that's that's the subject and theme of the. It stays very much on that theme. Like at least at least once a week, you want to smack somebody. So I'm not mad, and you know, the production has this like this like heavy guitar riff, and like she's like 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 super amped up, and like yo, this is, I mean literally a heavy metal is a punk track. Yeah, you know, and but it's filtered through the trap lens. And it's filtered through a black female lens. And it's, you know, and it's like, to me, like, that's a really cool... Like, I'm not saying it's the, the greatest track in the world. But, like, it's really cool to kind of see all those things kind of come together. And it's organic. And I, and I think as somebody... Because I remember, I remember years ago, back... Remember back when we used to blog? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 wrote a, I wrote something where it was just like, you know, friends don't let friends black rock. 
<laughs> and everybody got really mad at me. But the idea behind it was the fact of where a lot of times people would be like, oh, we're going to make same way how like, you know, back, that'd be funny how like you're new metal. Whereas like these white guys were on some like, yo, I like the NWA. I like the Snoop Doggy Dog. <laughs> I'll just play these generic rock rips and rap yeah. on top of it. And it was really badly done. It was the inverse because, you know, you had a lot of black acts on some like, oh, I'll take some rock guitar. And I'll play this really horrible generic rock riff and then, you know, sing on top of it. Now it's black rock where there's a decisive difference between that and let's say, you know, like a TV on the radio, what they were doing or even what she's doing because it's authentic. You know, she's out there, she's spitting, she's angry, her voice is cracking and you got these angry like 808 hits in the background that are distorted where it fits within the aesthetic. It's, it's rock in attitude, not in a generic, oh shit, you know, take away those fucking hi-hats put in some fucking rock snares and instead of that little weird, you know, that bass line, put, make it like, you know, go into the guitar, you know, sample file and put that shit in there instead. Yeah. It's, it's, it hits the way it should hit. Like it's, it gets you, it, it invokes punk and rock without saying I'm punk and rock. Exactly. And that's what makes it kind of dope. Exactly. And, and it's actually kind of interesting because of, like I said, both artists, this is like the only kind of, like they're not doing this for every track. This is like the only track they're doing. They're incorporating guitars or, you know, like whatever. And it's interesting to me because, like, if these tra- tracks hand out and gain traction, like, maybe we can push towards more of this interaction between. Because, I, I, you know, again, punk rock and trap and, you know, rock music and what like, they're all kind of working class music. They all kind yeah. of come from the same. <laughs> and you see it happening. You know? Like, even though, like, ironically enough, Post Malone, rock star, wasn't really that rock star. But, like, Lil Peep was a little more rock star. I don't know. Lil, Lil Peep, I, I think, you know, R.I.P., but he, he had the formula. Yeah. Or even, you know, not R.I.P., rest in hell, extension, you know, issues with the person himself, that album he dropped was a very dope mix of rock and rap. And it, and it wasn't like cheesy. It was something where it was very, you know, he was emo as fucking that shit. Wait, are, little... you, are you talking about XXX Tentacion? Yeah. Extension? Extension. You know. Damn, we old. I know. <laughs> I pronounce things phonetically, particularly <laughs> with abusers. I intentionally mispronounce abusers' names. <laughs> Christoph Brown. <laughs> those, those, those William dad, Cosby. Dad extension. <laughs> Anyway, continue. Yeah, but you know, it's something where, I, and I think it's time. And I, and I think it's what's cool is, that, I mean, not cool. It's what, what, what has to happen, unfortunately, to save rock music. Because the thing oh, is, of course. oh, rock music is so washed. And, it, and I it, say this as a big rock. I'm going to rock show after this, in fact. But God damn it, what a washed genre. And I think it's a kind of important where, like, you know, it, the only thing that kind of, that, you know, because you need that angst. You need yeah. that teenage angst. Yeah. I think now we kind of, it's so sad and so depressing. We kind of, you know, drugged ourselves out. And I think that as we kind of move into our activist phase, as we move into our zombie future phase, <laughs> zombie <laughs> apocalypse, <laughs> World War III with North Korea, as we kind of move into places where it's going to a little bit be a little more fight or flight, that you kind of need that ang- angry music. And I think trap kind of fit that for a little bit, like Waka Flocka, but, but now it's kind of, you know, it's just the same baseline, same kind of, it's, it's more call response. And I think you need, you need punching the, punch some dude in the face music. And I think that's what I like about these tracks. Yeah. Yeah. Smack a bitch. Smack a bitch. <laughs> no misogyny. Uh, man. What else? So, uh, let's see. What else will we listen to? We, 
think she wrapped this up. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and, and, and yeah, and, and as far as like like what I've been listening to as of late, and I brought it back. King Cruel has a dope, dope like video thing where it's like thirty minutes, and it's him and his band, and they're playing a lot of the tracks from his um, the ooze last year. Word. Oh, it's he's getting even more jazzier, more funkier. Word. So I'm looking forward to, you know, a future where like even among genres where you know jazz gets a little love because he's got yeah, something where it's just yeah, like. Yeah. He could fuck with Odd Future, but at the same time, I could see him hopping on a Robert Glasper track now also. Yeah. It's, it's actually kind of interesting because like, I was thinking about that the other day. It's like black people and white people are so separated, especially in the music world now. I want that shit to happen, to, to come back. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And like the only, I feel like the only group that's kind of bringing black and white together is uh, Bad, Bad, Not Good. <laughs> <laughs> Cause, you know they they can work with like uh shit who they they did a track with a dude from LCD I think, um but they also did like a Ghostface album yeah <laughs> you know so it's just kind of like I, I I want that shit to happen again because like I, I I think you know music is a unifying force you know let's not talk about appropriation and shit like that like let's oh, just talk about don't 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 go there oh no I'm not I'm not I'm not no, I'm not no, going to go there no no shots towards towards Mr Mars. I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not like, like, yo, y'all were talking about Bruno Mars this morning. Like, I thought he, the dude was dead. Yo, dude, like, like R. Kelly. Like, they were talking about him on some like. There was some haters out there. I'm like, all he did was be half Filipino, half but, Puerto Rican. <laughs> but I, I, I thought we, I thought we, we got that out of our system in the Grammys. <sighs> no, apparently not. Apparently there was, there was. We, we're still, we're still, we're still wounded. I, I and I'm just like, why are we wait? Why are we talking about it? like when is this tweet? <laughs> is this tweet from January? No, it's from last night. Like what the fuck? Like, yeah, yeah, no. And, uh, and, and, and I get it. I, I I get the bigger argument, but the problem is that I think we kind of move. I think at this moment in time, we, we just definitely we definitely have to line certain things in a row as far as cultural appropriation is concerned within POCs. But in Bruno Mars' defense, if if I'm driving on I ninety five. I'm getting pulled over, and so is fucking Bruno Mars. <laughs> Yo, my wife said the same thing, uh, which is funny because we we spent like things going full circle. We spent like four hundred dollars on fucking Bruno Mars tickets, yeah. but <laughs> no, I, yeah, it's, it's it's crazy to me that we're still having this discussion. Um, look. <laughs> I, and that's what they say. It's not racism. Like, I, like Sarah Gum had a great article about how there's been a, a under low a glut of pop like white rappers, like your you know your Jeezys, your Post Malones, yeah. And how when they come off a single, immediately it pops up on the Billboard 100 on the pop charts. Of course. But like your Cardi B's, your Drakes, they leave that bitch in the R&B section forever before they kind of shift it over. So you always have your colorism. But I'm just like, motherfucking Bruno Mars? This is where we're going to hold our hat over? But, but that's America. That's not Bruno <laughs> Mars. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. A, you know. So anyway, I, I don't want to have a conversation yeah. about that. Like, all I'm trying to say is, um, you know, I, I want more cross-collaboration yes. in music. You know, I mean, look, Jay-Z and, and um, shit. Lincoln uh, Park. Lincoln Park. <laughs> <laughs> They drop tracks encore. together, <laughs> and that shit was like pretty whack. But you know, <laughs> I you know I I think music has the power to save us. I have one for you though. Best collaboration between white and black artists, heavily heavily underrated. Judgment Night soundtrack. Yes. 
Judgment Night. If, if y'all, y'all, y'all millennials out there, you know, yes. if y'all have never heard Judgment Night soundtrack, you want to hear prime, prime, prime hip hop and, and at, the, at, the, at the height of their powers, collabing together, making dope shit, Judgment Night soundtrack. Yes. Shit, what was it? It's like DMX and. Uh, yeah, De La Soul in that. It was yeah. a lot of weird bands. But it was like DMX and like. Not Metallica, but like one of those cats. Like it, it was literally, it was all rock rap me, me, like mix-ups. Yeah, and it was great because they liked each other. So even when the song failed, you yeah. can tell they fucked with each other. Like yeah. they tried, but it made it made a lot of sense though. Yeah. Like to have DMX on on rock track. Oh, DMX is probably if DMX was like a like a like a hard rock singer. DMX basically is a hard rock singer. Yeah, because when DMX tours, definitely he sounds in the hood. But that motherfucker goes to Midwest and destroys Minnesota. Oh, like that motherfucker makes bank. Of course. Yeah. You know? DMX <laughs> speaks to the soul of disenfranchised <laughs> white rural youth. Oh, that's straight DMX right there. I mean, yeah. So yeah, no, I'm I'm, I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm not surprised. All right. All right. That's uh, it. Until next week. Until next week. You guys at home, stay listening to your limp biscuits, your corn <laughs> CDs. You know what I'm saying? 311. You're 311. 311. Talking about appropriation. You know what I'm saying? Make sure keep keep that. Oh wow! You know, like it was crazy about three, it's like three ways reggae and hip hop. They were just like they went to the straight black music bin. And was like we're taking all this bitch home. <laughs> taking the gold medal of appreciation. That's right. So all you all you white white listeners out there, start rapping. All you black listeners, pick up the guitars. Pick up the guitars. You know what I'm Guitar, saying? Guitars need to have a moment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I would. I miss guitars, man. Like we just like guitar riffs everywhere. Yeah, so I want. I want to hear that shit. You know what I'm saying? Stage diving. You know what I'm saying? Moshing. Moshing. Yeah, you know, maybe some motherfucker might get fucking. You know, jump off a stage dive, shit like that. But I don't know. But um, till next week, guys. It's Reg. It's Stone. <laughs>